0: This is getting better and better. Get some recipes. Yes, sir. I can't believe you've done
1: this. Welcome to the Evolve Podcast. A podcast that explores personal evolution through our choices and overcoming life's challenges. The Evolve community is your ultimate destination for personal growth and evolution.
2: True to form, I get to continue to be the dumbest person in the room. That's fantastic.
1: Thank you.
0: Did you ever get a uh, a quantum physical uh, explanation for how to uh, bake a meatloaf from a cornstarch? Bake a meatloaf from a
3: cornstarch? Wondering over there. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: it's uh, it's interesting you say that because we do like to ask our guests if there's music or something else that's inspiring them today jen and uh, miles is moving like stevie wonder so jen what is inspiring you today is there music is there a book you're reading is there some sort of uh person in your life an idea a thought what is inspiring jen salerno today
3: Today, I'm going to go with, I was running my yoga teacher training, and so today, it was my students that were inspiring me. It's interesting how the collective can move through certain instances, and to observe that um, is inspiring all all in itself about, uh, we dove into the Four Noble Truths, so they definitely inspired me to dive into the Eightfold Path today.
1: Beautiful. What are the Four Noble Truths?
3: Is suffering. that what you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. There is suffering. The cause right. of suffering. The this, this suffering will end and there is a path. Mm. And so from that path is the eightfold path. and It comes from right speech, right thought, um, right livelihood. And it kind of dives in. So it's basically redirecting the whole uh, narrative that we say in our minds and then how we outwardly express that in action, words, and karma, you know, selfless service
1: and things like that. So. Beautiful. I and I know so you much much and I've old. talked, yeah, you and I've talked about that before where uh, as you've taught these yoga teacher trainings, it's pretty impactful with uh, the path that your students go on. And by the time you get to the end to see their their progress, um, that's got to be an inspiring thing. So uh, what, a, what a great thing to, to be finishing up today. Um, and with that, uh, our evolutionary listeners, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast, a podcast that challenges personal evolution through our choices and overcoming the challenges that life throws at us. Uh, in Ohio, the personal pianist to the Amish wearing one of my <laughs> favorite Amish. shirts, Quis- Christopher Walken today. We're John Boyd. <laughs> <laughs> is the. Christopher Walken impersonator himself, W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles.
0: Well, you know it's interesting. You said the piano player. I used to be the personal piano player for Miss Salerno. No.
1: Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. We'll get into that.
0: Those were some magical moments. Her teaching and my playing.
1: It was pretty that magical.
3: Is
0: magic. mm-hmm. Yeah, we we that was a pretty special time in my life. Our lives.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're excited to hear more about that, Uh, but wondering what day it is, because he's in a dark room spinning at the roulette table in the Bellagio in Las Vegas, Nevada, is Casey Mitch Mitchell. Welcome, Casey. all
2: sevens, baby, all sevens.
1: (laughs) All day long. All day long. (laughs) And I am my kid's dad, but I am also the guy that's laughing at your double mask while we pass each other on the hiking trail. I am Steve Cutler. (laughs) Today... We are fortunate to have Jen Salerno joining us. Now, Jennifer Salerno teaches yoga, teaches yoga teacher training, and runs yoga t- retreats. Jen says that six years ago, I was deepening my yoga skills in aerial uh, yoga aerial silks when I fell and landed directly on the crown of my head. At the hospital, I was diagnosed with a fractured skull, heavy internal bleeding, a stage four concussion, and a traumatic brain injury. After days of sleeping, I attempted to stand up but quickly collapsed in the worst pain I have ever felt. Being completely immobilized, unable to speak in coherent sentences or focus on my family, I feared I would never regain the quality of life I previously enjoyed jen continues i felt like i had let down my students my family and ultimately myself seeking answers i met with local neurosurgeon for advice on how to move forward with my recovery after looking at my results the doctor was in shock to even see me functioning at the level that i was due to the extensive damage to my spinal cord she told me i should have been paralyzed from the neck down and wondered out loud how i could have been or i wondered out loud how i could have been so unbelievably fortunate in this situation the doctor look at, looked at me and smiled yoga is what saved your life she says my years of training and experience allowed my spine to remain flexible and mobile during the fall ultimately giving me the chance to recover and return to the life i once knew It was at that moment that I knew that I would continue to practice and teach yoga for the rest of my life. I realized that all the pain and struggle I had endured could become a powerful story to help change the lives of those around me. Yoga continually teaches me how to become one with myself, nourishing my body, mind and spirit. It is what reawakened the light inside of me and brought me to the point where I can truly live, love and be free. Jen, welcome to the Evolve podcast. We are honored and privileged to have you today.
3: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this.
1: Now, Miles used to play the piano for you in your yoga classes. Uh, Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. he's not going to be playing the piano while you talk today, but (laughs) he may break out into song (laughs) at some point. Uh, (laughs) So, Jen, I think that one of the things that's most impactful and empowering about your story is that when you, when someone has had a traumatic brain injury or they deal with any other mental health challenge, uh, it's not something that can be seen externally. People don't look at you and say, oh, I can see that you've, you, you've been injured or that you have some sort of mental uh, challenge, mental health issue. Um, and I remember you mentioning to me several times over the years that part of the frustration with brain injuries and mental health is that people just assume that because you look very healthy on the outside, that everything is okay. So, yeah. talk a little bit about that challenge and what that's meant to you.
3: You know, it is—it's it's quite a—it's—it's it's surfaced in many many different ways, but I do find it interesting. Because when you look, even at this present moment, like my brain glitches left and right day after day, I've been teaching all day. So, you know, my brain will shut off and come back in. And But if you look at me, no one would even venture to guess that there is anything wrong with me. They would just basically assume that everything's fine. So moving through life like that, be it if you suffer from depression, bipolar, um, you know, whatever it might be, brain injury, concussion, people will look at you and assume, they look fine, so therefore they must be fine. And why you know, then they should be able to function and do all the things that I'm doing and why can't they speak, act and show up in the same ways that I am. And so I find that the more and more we start to open conversations and dialogue about these things that it can become a forefront and people can begin to understand and not immediately come into a state of judgment the minute they come into interaction with another human being and maybe get to know them first or hold space for another individual and, you know, basically practice the beautiful art called empathy.
1: You know, it's interesting because there's so much out there where you just don't see another person's pain. If they have emotional Mm -hmm. pain, if they have mental pain, even if they have some sort of physical pain. And we were talking about this before you hopped on. Uh, Casey mentioned that he has, he's dealt with some back issues over the years and you don't see back pain. You don't see a lot of these things. Um, and, And so that's something that is, can oftentimes be out of sight, out of mind. So how do we get to a space? And I love how what you just said with that we need to start to talk about this more often. And you also mentioned empathy. Is empathy the first thing that we lead out with, or how do we get to a space where we're recognizing what people are going through on a on a more regular basis?
3: Well, I think I mean it, it's kind of like a hard way to approach this answer. I don't. I, of course, I'm going to say yes. We should lead out with empathy. However most of society has no idea how to actually show up in a state of empathy. We are conditioned to show up in a way of self, right? So if there's some kind of conflict that arises in front of us, we're going to come into a state where we puff up, right, like a peacock, and now we know all the right answers. So when we show up when someone is suffering mentally, emotionally, backache, whatever it might be, brain injury, we show up and we know, like, I, I know all the answers. I have all the answers. So therefore, I am right. Rather than showing up and speaking to hear another individual first and foremost. And this is where I think the dialogue could like open up this whole Pandora box of how to show up as someone of empathy or how to show up not in a selfish state, but in one to genuinely hear another human being, see another human being and actually understand another human being. And those are our three innate traits that we all want. We all wanna be seen, heard and understood. Well, why is it that we're not going out to see hear, and understand other individuals, especially those that don't physically show the internal right uh, facets that are going on inside right? There's so many things that are going on in individuals that you know, we don't ever pause to understand or to see. Yeah
1: it's almost like we assume that there's nothing going on. And if somebody is upset or someone is having a, as we may look at them and say, oh, they're having a bad day or they're a jerk or they're mean or whatever it is, there might be a root cause to whatever's happening that uh, we can see. Now, you talked about to see and hear as part of this process of going through empathy. Talk about the seeing part. You know, if we can't physically see it, how do we get to the point where we can see another person and see what they're going through?
3: It would be that art of communication, right? So it'd be when we genuinely show up and ask someone what's going on in their world, or if we're noticing, you know, uh, let's see, even with me. So if you're talking with me and you would notice that I start to dance around things, you'd be like, so how's everything going? How are things going in your world? Has there anything, you know, what's, If you knew me personally, like Miles would probably come up to me and be like, hey, what's been going on with you? How's that healing process been going? If you don't know me, then it would be like, hey, I noticed that there was this little moment of pause. What's going on in your world? And so maybe that would give me this opportunity to begin to speak if I felt the need that I would want to share. But nobody ever really stops to pose the questions to really understand what's really going on. And then this is where it'd be twofold. We also are trained to show up in a way and be like, oh, everything's amazing. everything's fine. Mm. I'm an awesome human being." Where an else be like, "You know what? things are really going really well. However, today I seem to be battling these brain glitches, like nobody's business, or if it was someone that suffers from depression, be like, "You know what? You know, nine times out of ten, I am doing pretty good, but today I'm battling some deep, dark situations. Like can you imagine if someone just came up and you could see that their genuine answer or their question was in a genuine state of being like, how are you doing today?
2: And the problem Other than with the that,
3: BS the, question. The problem
2: with that is the response is going to be most of the time because a person doesn't really want to hear it. Is there going to be like, well, big gulps, see you later. Yeah,
3: Yeah, but that's the whole point of empathy, yeah. right? Because we're showing right. up and being like, I'm doing this because I was conditioned and trained by my environment to ask you X, Y, and Z so I'm asking, but I'm actually genuinely not listening, nor do I Correct. really give a yeah. shit what you're going to say right now, because I already have my agenda that I'm yep. going to propose on you in yeah. about two seconds. So hang tight. Here mm. it comes.
2: Yep. Yeah. Mm. Very good point. Yeah.
3: That's yeah, what I'm I think. It's like a twofold. It's the art of like teaching both sides of the, the spectrum here.
1: There are people though, in life that you interact with where when they ask you how you're doing you know that they 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 genuinely want to know, and if you give them the standard answer of "Oh, I'm fine," they they penetrate your soul. They will look through you, and they will just say, "How you doing?" And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, yeah. you just melt. There's an there's an energy, there's a power yeah. there. Yeah. And uh, in my experience, that's something that can be trained as well, because what you're talking about of showing up and listening and hearing and feeling what another person is feeling. You, you tend to pick up on those things if you're just aware of them. Even if you don't know another person, I think that intuition can be there. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm yeah. crazy by saying that, but no, no, uh, no.
3: Well, no, I think it's something that is, can be trained. Empathy is the whole self. Empathy is listening with the whole self, mind, body, and spirit. So yes, that would be intuition, right? Because then we can feel another human being. And let's be real, sound woo-woo or not, but like when you're around someone that's in a really horrible mood you can feel it's like palpable or if they're in a deep state of sorrow you definitely know okay they are in a state of suffering whatever it might be going on right now I'm going to dive in and hold space to be of a support system for them so they feel heard because the minute you feel heard then you feel then you can move move on
1: yeah let me ask you this I, I think we're when we're talking about empathy and we're talking about you know what that there is, you, you do have the ability. You, you have, we all have the ability. We all have the ability to grow it. We all have the ability to sense it. You know, when you walk into a room and there's sadness there, you can feel the sadness. When there's happiness, you can feel the happiness. One of the reasons why people go watch sporting events at, at uh, stadiums is that because of the energy that's there, the excitement. So we all have that ability to feel. Why do you think we avoid that? Why do we avoid when we know something is not quite right and we ask that question, why do we avoid digging deeper with another human being?
3: We're avoiding it in ourselves. It's a simple answer in my book. That if you want to diff, like run away from something it's and that you're seeing in someone else, it's because it's something you want to run away from in your internal self, something mm. you haven't dealt with internally.
1: Okay. Yeah, I like that. I You know, it reminds me of a story, I think it was Gandhi, um, where there was a, a woman that came to him and said hey come and help my son come and help my son brought him to to their home and said you know my son is eating sugar and i need you to tell him to not eat sugar and he walked into the room and he looked at the son and turned around and he walked away and the the mother of the son was very angry very upset um and you know a week later uh, or a month later, I don't remember how the story goes. He came back to the home and she says, what are you doing? Uh, what, what are you doing here? And he said, I'm now ready to have the conversation with your son about not eating sugar because at the time I was eating sugar. And <laughs> I love how you're talking about that. We're avoiding that in ourself. So my question to you is I I've taken your classes and miles and I were talking about this before you jumped on, that, you know, there is Jennifer Salerno, the person which we know and love. And then there's Jen, the yoga teacher, which is this entertaining, empowering um, teacher that it's just like a light switch comes on and you're able to connect with people and entertain and pull things together um, in just this magical way. It's unbelievable. But my question to you is, Having had this experience in yoga classes, through meditation training, you've pushed people beyond boundaries that they thought they could go through. What advice would you give to a person who is struggling to, uh, where they're avoiding something in their life, where they're struggling? They're not asking that question because they're avoiding something in their life. How would you push them or invite them to push themselves to get beyond where they're currently at?
3: Um, that's really great. I had this um, instance actually just occur last week and I typically like to pose it with this. We all have this amazing gift and it's called choice, right? And when things like this rise up, we have two choices, run towards or run away. And there is a story that I like to tell and it has to do with the bison and the cow, and it talks about the storm. So like when people are experiencing these intense situations or things that they don't want to really face, that's like that internal storm, like that dark, turbulent, windy, thunder, lightning, the rain, hail, what, what have you, but it's intense. Well, it's the same situation that a story is told where there are cows in the meadow and the storm is brewing. And they see the storm brewing much like what we have internally. And the cows see it, they start bolting as fast as they can away from the storm. And they want to mm-hmm. run and run. But the thing that keeps happening is the storm keeps swallowing them. It keeps swallowing them. It keeps swallowing them. Well, eventually the cows get so exhausted they collapse in the meadow and the storm overtakes them. Well, then we have this other choice, and it's to be the bison that are in the meadow and they see the storm, that same immense, intense storm in front of them. And they make this choice to run towards it. And they get all consumed in that heaviness and that depth and intensity and it washes over them and they just keep running through the storm to make it to the other side to bask in the meadow where the sun is, right? So now the clouds have cleared, the sun is lighting down on them and what they thought was so fearful, uncertain, doubt, whatever it may be, once we move towards it, make the choice to actually run towards it, sit in it, face it, feel all the feels and how heavy and dark it may be, the minute we can actually do that, the clouds subside. And then the light shines in, and the Buddha calls it. That's that time of mindfulness where the Nirvana, the light, is now shining on you, and you can sit and bask in that light of happiness and actually feel what that is. So yeah. to me, it's you have a choice, and that story to me is one more, one of the most powerful stories because it's just you can be one or the other. You can keep avoiding, but it's going to keep overtaking you, and you're going to be too exhausted to even experience life anymore. Or you can take the choice and run right into that that darkness, the heaviness, and just feel all of it and know that you have enough strength to make it to that other side and then bask in the beauty when everything subsides and just sit in the sun and feel it all over the body, feel it in the soul.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. I love how you talk about sitting in the sun and that also reminds me of something else that you and I have talked about before, where as you're going through some of your problems, I think another phrase that you've used is that sometimes you just need to sit in your shit and you've got that to deal with idea. your shit. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah feel sit your sit in shit. your shit. Yeah. You sit. And feel it's the shit meditation. and work your way through it. <laughs> so I wanna I wanna talk about kind of sitting in your own shit um, mm-hmm. with your your uh your recovery. You know, a few years yeah. back, you had this traumatic brain injury. And at a certain point, you had to sit in your shit and realize where you were and what what it was going to take to go through this process of recovery. So talk to us a little bit about how did you how did you start the recovery process?
3: Oh, Lord. Um, it, sitting laying on my couch because I really couldn't do anything else. And I may had to make the choice. Like I literally was just saying, I was that individual and it was either keep trying to avoid and just wallow in your misery, play the victim card, you know, or sit in your shit and feel everything that's going on and find a pathway through what's in front of you, right? We have obstacles. I, you know, I I study stoicism too. So it's like, you got to find your way through the obstacle, right? It's not avoid run around it, dance around it. It's find your way through the obstacle. And so I made the choice in that moment because of all my training and I've got, Know, a lifelong history of stories upon stories that we'll talk about later on um was to finally just really just sit in it I had no other choice body wasn't really functioning brain wasn't really functioning so it was like face everything that's going on and dial inward so I sat in meditation and that was probably one of the most profound experiences to really start to feel and experience all the things that I hadn't really healed the things that I hadn't fully faced things that I had definitely been avoiding start to come to surface and be like, all right, now is the time to rid yourself of the attachments of the things that you are hoarding and hiding into and dismiss it. Face it and let it go. Make the, take the, make the choice, take action and do what needs to be done to heal, to be a better human being, to show up for myself and then to show up for my children and for my students and for everyone else that surrounds me. And so it is... I, all, I think if anyone did one thing, and it's always probably the scariest thing, is to sit in meditation. It's the only time you can genuinely get to know who you are because you can't hide. Mm-hmm. Your mind will take over, right? And it's our distraction. It's much like being on Instagram and scrolling mindlessly through a bunch of shit. But like the minute you sit in meditation, there's no hiding. All this, like we call it in yoga, vrittis, all these fluctuations in your mind, you can train it to stop because mm-hmm. everything ends right because the noble truths even say that but everything eventually comes in and nothing is permanent and once that happens then this truth starts to rise up and then you begin to see the truth the things that you've been hiding from the things that you've avoided start to surface and then you can start to think okay this is what's elevating me This is what's holding me back and i'm going to choose to dismiss the ones that are holding me back make the choice and course correct and then I'm gonna utilize the ones and keep them so I can keep uplifting, keep rising and becoming a better version. Because all that other stuff, once you start to sit in it, you're like, yeah, it's not even worth hanging on to anymore. Cause all it's doing is causing more complexity in my world, more suffering. And in, in all reality, all the pains that we feel on our physical body. We create yeah. so much of that through what mm-hmm. we're hanging on to and all the bullshit that we say in our head, the narrative, right? The illusion.
1: And you and you made massive changes in your life. You uh, took some massive steps forward. And um, one of the things that I noticed with you is your interactions with people changed. There was uh, there was more. I don't know how I would describe it, but I, I think you created different boundaries for yourself. Your interactions with people were different. You stood up. You talked about showing up for yourself. And I remember times where you would show up for yourself and you stood up for yourself in certain situations where you felt like that maybe in the past you wouldn't have done that. So talk about how this healing process has transformed or changed how you now interact with other people.
3: Um, I think what it does is when you get to know yourself really well. Like I genuinely, I know myself so well, and I love every part of who I am, which is why when you just said boundaries came into play, because for me, it's setting those states of boundaries so that what I want around me is a certain element that keeps me rising up. So my interactions, one, I want to love every person, right? I have no no qualms or ill will towards whatever's gone on in people, experiences. My job is to just come from a state of love. The boundaries come into play when it's like, all right, is it going to uplift and shift my world, me as a human person, my children's life or what, or let's just be real humanity as a whole. So my boundary is, if it's not going to do that, you know, I will show up, be kind, cordial and that's about the extent of it until that person's window is open to actually evolve. Ironically, evolve into that higher state, then, then that's, when the gateway will open and I will welcome them in so that we can uplift together. That is probably one of the biggest things that I've learned, even in the past, let's see, maybe year and a half, that draw in the ones that'll amplify you as a human and that you can amplify them as well. And the boundaries are key. Stand up for what you believe in. And trust me, I get shot down a lot because people will look at some of the things that I do see, believe and be like, whatever. And that's fine. They're just, one, to me, they're just not ready to hear or they are mm-hmm. very uh, narrow focused, right? Their peripherals aren't open yet, which is fine. So a lot of people are like this. And so when they do open up, then that's when the, you know, my boundary may widen so that we can have deeper conversations and we can share more information and start to be like, you know what, together we can do greater things. So let's do this together. But boundaries with self, boundaries with others, and I think if you know who you are, it's kind of an easy thing to set in general, because the minute you definitely yeah. know who you are, then you're like, all right, you know what? We vibe really well. Our frequency is right on that same frequency. So, you know, let's continue this relationship, this conversation, whatever it may be, or you show up with someone you're like, whoa, this is a boundary that I'm gonna have to put in right here. Because for me, what I have inside is very sacred, right? This is, this is mine. And I don't want anything to alter or hinder where I'm heading. And I think, yeah you think about it, a lot of people don't do that. They're just like, oh, the more the merrier, where it's like actually be wise, be very precise on who you choose to surround yourself with.
1: Yeah, but I do think it's tough. And I think that like you talked about, if you know who you are, <laughs> then that's an easier thing. And it actually does mm-hmm. come very naturally. If you don't, People are like things in that sense where you will surround yourself with people, just like you surround yourself with things that you don't need and that aren't good for you. You feed yourself food that you don't uh, need. You surround yourself with people that aren't good for you. You bring a bunch of shit that you don't need into your life, and then your life starts to fall apart and you wonder why. But when you understand who you are, you just naturally vibe with who and what life is going to, uh, you know, what what's going to be best for you. So uh, talk about this evolution. You've evolved and you've changed, but I know you've also seen evolution and growth in others as you've taught them through retreats, through yoga classes, and through yoga teacher training. Talk about how, this process of evolution and growth that you've seen in other people. What are some of the things that help people? What are some advice or some, some key points that people could say, oh, if I do this, this is going to help me to get to that next stage?
3: Um, one, definitely, we're always going to go with number one, meditation. And um, that's a scary one for a lot of people because they're like, ah, I don't know, I can't do it. But just literally. say. So, so why do you sit. think it is so scary? Because people have this agree weird idea. They have this weird idea that when you sit in meditation, you're supposed to not think about a thing and you've got to just be like, oh, um, you know, like the, uh, even my little dude back here hanging out with me, like he, he's <laughs> a, sitting there all serene. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so people have this misconception that when we meditate, we must not have anything else going on. And if this starts to take over, then I'm doing it wrong. And so, oh, I've already failed, right? So conditioned yeah. belief system. So it, for me, it's just no sit. And it's just like we were talking about, all your thoughts are like clouds. And the minute they begin to pass by, you'll see the sun shining. That's what meditation is. Just keep watching clouds passing. They change shape. They eventually will dissipate. The sun will bask for a little bit. the The clouds, they come back again. This is what the art of meditation is. Just sitting and allowing things to come and pass, change, be what it needs to be, pass by, experience that moment of understanding and being with you, clouds come back again. Our mind is you know ridiculously trained to do that very thing so your job is to sit in meditation and put the reins back on that horse and start to ride it and be like no right now whoa we're gonna stop and hang out here and experience what's really being said in my internal system not this guy up here so for me number one it's definitely um through all the things all the modalities that i do meditation is number one mm-hmm. and then number two It is, I'm a big believer in how we begin our day and how we end our day sets the tone for the next and following day. And so what I teach a lot in my retreats and with my students um, is to begin with the art of gratitude. Um, And I actually have a lot of my students currently have them wake up, open their eyes and be like, today's gonna be an amazing day. And then they write down three states of gratitude.
1: Wait a so, minute. So, you're not telling them to jump on their Instagram account and check how many likes they got? And, uh,
3: Lord have mercy now. No.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. All right.
3: This is why so many people suffer in depression is because the first thing they do is they grab their stupid phone. It's not yeah. Away. Give yourself an hour. No news, no Instagram, nothing. That is one of the things that, that they do. And all the, like my private clients, everybody, the first hour is solely for self. It's a wake up ritualistic, whatever rituals you want to cultivate. I have them try on a few and then they keep whatever after time goes on, but no, no social media begin by saying today's going to be an amazing day or today's going to be, you know the best day I've ever had. However, you want to verbalize it, whatever speaks to your soul. I was about to use the F word, but I don't know how, where you guys stand on what rating you are.
1: Hey, it's no. a podcast, so I don't know if we get <laughs> if we get rated low. But but I love what you just said there. Try on a few different things because when you think about it, you're going to go to the store and you're going to buy a new shirt or a new dress or whatever, you're going to try on some different things. I love how you said that because that resonates visually, I think, with a lot of listeners. Try on some different ways to start your day.
3: Yeah, that's a beautiful be way of putting it. And if it doesn't fit then don't wear that one, try on a different one. And you know what, if yeah. you start to lose weight or you gain weight and it doesn't fit any longer, guess what, it's time to alter and up level to the next yeah. thing. And this is, the, this is where the narrative starts to shift, right? The verbiage we choose to use is what alters our world and our existence. So mm-hmm. begin and end your day. I always end, um, have them end their day in, a, in the state of reflection, right? So we go back and we review what um, our goals were and what our gratitude was and then reflect upon the day what is my opportunity for growth to move into the next day? So the more and more we dive into this, we are starting to dissect self, right? How did I show up today? Was I in a state of reaction? I let my emotions get the best of me. You know what? Today, my emotions took the best of me. So my opportunity for growth tomorrow is to become more mindfully aware of how often my emotions send me into a state of reaction. So, you know, I don't want to overwhelm your listeners, but like, let's go meditation, gratitude, and reflection at the end of the day which will set you up for success in the next day and in all honesty day after day you become a better human being the more and more you become aware of who you are basically this is the art of mindfulness just becoming aware of self
1: was an art of happiness to it as well I read it something uh, I don't know how long ago that said that if you if you spend part of your day every single day in a state of gratitude, you will literally rewire the way that your brain functions, that the plasticity of the brain is amazing, and the nerves will change, and you will start to think and feel different on a regular basis, but uh, you have to commit to gratitude every single day.
3: Yeah, and you know what? Here's the other thing. If people have to think it has to be some big, huge, grandiose gratitude, legit wake up in the morning and be like, you know what? I am really grateful. The way the sheets feel on my skin, like come on now, Mm -hmm. or you know the fingers on my hands that allow me to grab a cup for my water. We forget that having great gratitude for simplicity is just as important for the growth, right? For the huge gratitude for my home, for my car, but why not fine tune it into the subtlest? That Mm -hmm. the art of simplicity to me is like be grateful for even the simple things. My eyes that opened, like simple. Because some people that suffer from deep, dark depression need to start with these fine, fine little things. Today I will open my eyes, right? I'm grateful that I opened my eyes. I'm grateful that I can put a smile on my face today. Like be simple, find subtle things to be grateful for too.
1: Subtlety, I think, is where beauty lies as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. you think about our culture in America in general, right? Um, We don't have the art of subtlety. We're big, we're bold, we're brash. We eat a lot of Big Macs and big food and food that's just (laughs) as loaded with some sort of fat or sugar, but we don't, we don't learn to recognize the subtlety and the beauty of food and the beauty of the things that we drink and the beauty and the subtlety of all of the different nuances of life. And I think once you started to get into a nuanced life, life becomes a very, very beautiful thing.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, simple experiences. I mean, I have my yoga students always doing, um, Miles may recall this, but a yoga meal. And before they even begin, like this is food, so before they even yeah. begin eating, yeah, remember that they pause in a state of gratitude. <clears throat> they take three breaths and they pause and observe what they're about to consume. And right. then there's literally no distractions, no music, no TV. I mean, you can have people around you, but When you are eating your food, the bite goes in your mouth, the fork goes down, you chew the food, you experience the food. You know, when it bursts in the mouth, the flavors that kind of rise up, sweet, sour, whatever it might be. And then you swallow the food and then you proceed step-by-step. And this is like, that's subtlety, right? This is like experiencing each moment to its fullest. And this is basically what it's doing in Yoga Teacher Training is teaching them the appreciation, the art of appreciation for the moment and finding in the subtle, Uh, beauty in each moment even down to food like we forget food is an experience all in itself I mean Miles you know all about that Miles loves the experience of food Mm
0: -hmm. it's funny that you brought that up because in in my training with you if if I sit here and reflect back on the most difficult moments it was when we first did that Mm -hmm. and you said eat in silence and as, as the first month, I couldn't do it. I mean, I would make small improvements. And there was one point halfway through where I just kept beating myself up on, you got to do this, because I started to realize there was something that could happen from this. And I, I, I just pushed through. But in the beginning, it was difficult to sit there with a plate of food and no television, no music.
3: And the that was one for of the, you.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was one of the yeah. hardest hardest things to do. But when I came out on the other side, it was so beautiful.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's so amazing not, what right? happens
1: when you strip those things away and you just focus on one thing and you show up for one thing.
3: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love how you're talking about this as part of your healing process, Jen. This is what you teach, but this was part of your healing process as you were healing from your brain injury, that it was these nuanced, small things that you were showing up for. And this brought uh, a much more, uh, I guess, uh, intentional and direct approach to your life where you became exactly who you wanted to be. You had these beautiful boundaries that you created because you were showing up in each one of these different areas. What, what, do you, what do you still struggle with today? As you're, I mean, I would imagine this is an ongoing process and you mentioned earlier, every once in a while you get these glitches, but what do you still struggle with today uh, recovering from the brain injury?
3: Um, you know, it is a daily reminder for me. One of my struggles and typically an opportunity for growth on myself is still the art of uh non-reaction so Mm. once you've had a concussion and a brain injury it's this really interesting thing that your emotions like overtake you and before this happened you know i could stay pretty even and not react and just be like okay and it would roll off my shoulders you know southern california girl but then after the accident it was like I remember immediately after the accident, it was like zero to 16. It was like he, he, normal Jen. And then it was like, who the hell is this human being? Like monstrous Jen. And so, mm. it's still to this day, it is being able to control my emotions. And there are days where that isn't successful. And then there are days where I stay in complete success and I stay in this state of being like, you know what? This is who I control. This is what I control. This is how I want to feel throughout my day. So for me, it still is the battle of emotional reaction. Now, I know so, humanity does, but like, it's yeah, I was just going to say brain injury. It's so much harder think, after a brain injury. Oh, Lord. Yeah, yeah,
1: I can imagine that that would be extremely difficult because it's it's literally changing the wiring of the brain and you're shortening that that space between what you what the stimulus is and what your reaction is. So what are some tools or some tips that you you've been through to help you to um, I guess, hit the pause button between stimulus and response.
3: All right. Well, let's go with the standard answer of meditation. That is one of the tools that has taught me that because <laughs> okay. you learn how to, for real, that's why I'm like, if anyone did one thing for the rest of their life, like please, for the love, try this bad boy on, because this is what will, is what will save you as a human. And it will mm. save the people that are, that love you. But really because it teaches you to pause and it teaches you to understand that this is not what controls me my mind is not what controls me right i choose how to move moment to moment and if you know and if you meditate you have a better grasp on how in, how to pause and to differentiate between reality and illusion And most of our emotional reaction comes from this state of illusion right this false yeah. idea this story that we tell of some futuristic bullshit or we think we know how the other person's feeling so it's Really, if you meditate, you learn how to pause. That's the art of pausing and understanding how to dissect reality versus unreality illusion.:
1: I love how you talk about that illusion because it, it is we tell ourselves a lot of stories, and oh, yeah. we believe a lot in our minds that we just we think that this is that's the way it is. and so we then we go with that as uh, the gospel truth, and we tend to <laughs> uh, react to that. Um, but, it, but that's not always the case. And, and so meditation is the pause button. What are some other changes that you've had to make as you've gone through uh, changes to lifestyle, I should say. So you have obviously meditated more, uh, gotten mm-hmm. deeper into all yoga practices. What are some other lifestyle changes that you've had to implement as you've gone through your healing process?
3: You know, initially when I actually first had the accident, I re- redid my whole eating now, I've always ate really clean. I've always been pretty, and I shouldn't say always, but the majority of my adult life, I've been pretty clean on the foods that I've chosen to eat.
1: But then when I had my
3: accident, I was like, all right, what foods will heal my brain? And then from there, it's like, okay, so these foods do X, Y, and Z. Then what is it doing to my internal state? So food isn't the other element right there, right? Mm. So, meditation, food would be the next element that I would go in. And then it's picking up another skill set. So I, um, I mean, if you're asking what's changed in my world, though, it would be, yeah, the food definitely would be the first one I would pinpoint. Okay. Changing to more clean fruits and veggies.
1: It's, a, it's an ongoing process to heal. And I think part of healing is overcoming fear. And I remember at one point you decided you were going to go back and do aerial yoga again. Um, talk about how you overcame the fear to, uh, as they say, jump back on the horse.
3: I like how you said that. Um, It's a choice. I ran into the storm, right? That storm is fear and uncertainty. Well, you know, if I go grab onto the silks that caused me to go into a place where, thank God I am not paralyzed, um, I can recreate the experience. Now, mind you, in my garage, uh, they are hanging and I have a very Mm. tall garage. And so I am on them at least three times a week because it's just like if you get in a car accident, you're going to get behind the wheel again, right? Most people do. I'm going to say not everyone, but let's go with a big percentage of humans. Once they get in a car accident, they will get behind the wheel and they'll start driving again. Sure, their heart will start to race and they'll get a little bit nervous and things like that. But if we get behind the wheel and start to test drive it again, then that's what we thought, right, that comes back to us creating this illusion story of the future that this is going to happen again. Well, we'll no, if we draw ourselves back in the present moment, the more and more we drive, or the more and more I climb the silks and do my things on it, the more I'm aware that no, that was an instance that occurred in the past. This is what's the instance now in the, this present moment. So for me, it's to you just get back in the saddle, you get behind the wheel, or for me, it was get back on the silks and come back and walk myself through reality. This is how you grab onto it. Start with baby steps. This is what it feels like in my hands. This is what it feels like to pull my body up off the floor, holding onto the soap. And as long as I'm telling the narrative in my mind, I'm understanding what the reality of what is going on.
1: And so then this
3: so-called BS fear starts to dissipate. It doesn't need to rule who I am. I have a love for this. And it was an experience for me that I love. So why would I, why would I keep myself from doing that? Like, yeah, why would I beautiful. not go back to something that brings happiness?
1: Yeah, isn't it interesting
0: hurt? how also how your your fear is the the fear is basically the past.
3: Yeah,
1: like it's and that you're bringing it's, it
3: into the present.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. But fear is yeah, also a, a motivator. It can be a motivation. Sure. Yeah. If
3: you utilize it correctly for sure.
1: Correct. Just like yeah. I think
3: mm-hmm. anger isn't a, a beautiful emotion. Like some people are like, Oh, you know, yeah. you should never be angry. I'm like, hell no. Do you use that bad boy because that that'll yeah. catapult you to the next oh, level. I if, agree. You, if you yeah. use it as as it, for that yep. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think well, that's You a know it's interesting beautiful when you way. when you strip away
0: when you strip away the words that we use to describe an experience, whether it's fear or anger, you strip the words away you're basically sitting in energy. Mm. And, and that was one of the things, the, the beautiful things I'd learned through yoga teachers training and, 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 and the books that were recommended and then the other books that you find through your studies is that, again, you take away these words, anger, fear, and you can learn this through meditation of just sitting there, getting rid of the words. All you feel is energy. And there's energy yeah, it's that a resonance. Yeah, it pulls you mm. towards something or away from something. And you once you start to learn how to manipulate energies, you are on your way to a certain type of emotional freedom.
3: Oh, for sure, it's called liberation, yeah. right? That's when you yeah. really know what liberation is like it's when you you get rid of that whole idea that we are a separate human being because energy, we're all collective, we're all one, right? So the minute you dissolve mm-hmm. that whole idea that I'm separate.
0: And that's when you
1: become more in tune with that. Yeah. 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 Well, Jenna, uh, um, we, we could talk all day about this. And I think we're having a great conversation about your recovery. And I know that we, we've talked uh, about having you on in the future to talk about some other mental health challenges. Uh, so we're excited to have you come back on and talk about that before we wrap up though. I want to talk about your yoga retreats. Now, if I understand it right, this is where you go to a beautiful place. You take people to, um, uh, through some yoga practice. Now, my question is, if I came to a yoga retreat, uh, we both know that I'm very good at shavasana or corpse pose. And so if I go into corpse pose on the beach, will you just come and turn me over? Is that what my yoga retreat is?
3: <laughs> so I don't burn <laughs> too much? That's too funny. I've actually, um, I call them now soul connection retreats because for um, that very reason, for the person that would look mm. at it and be like, well, I don't do yoga. So why would I even attend something like this? Cause that yeah, so tell our is, listeners,
1: what is it? What are these soul connection retreats? I love that. What does it look like then? If it's not a yoga retreat, what is it for, uh, for the people that come?
3: It's a rewiring from the internal to the external. So um, we go in even down to the dialed in, which I talked about, which I changed my food because I noticed food was a huge element that shifted my whole internal system. Right. And then it feeds up here in a very different way as well. So we have a chef that comes that prepares clean foods. Not to, I don't want anyone to think because I'm yogi, you got to be vegan. That's not true. We just prepare foods that come from wherever we might be. And then you pick and choose. But there are elements that are going to feed the mind, body, soul in the best way possible. We do, of course, a ton of meditation because as you can see, I've dropped that probably 50 times in this episode. So there's a lot more meditation. And then there's discussion because I'm also a yoga therapist. So um, I went and did some extensive training in that realm to begin to understand the mind in a whole different way and learn how to hybrid the two together. And so we do a lot of more dialogue and Mm. experiential movement that helps heal and rid ourselves of this uh, stagnant energy. A lot of people like use the word blocks, but blocks is very confining. So it's just it's an energy that is ready to be released. And so once we understand how to let it out, then we can release it. And so that space being more free and open to receive what it's meant to receive. And then we do a lot of experiential uh, excursions and they're purposely put and placed in certain moments to bring out uh, emotions that are inside people that are fear or um, people don't usually know what's going on. So uncertainty will arise. And so it teaches people how to create in states of uncertainty and how to dismiss fear because we fear is, as Miles was just saying, is an energy that we're placing from the past experience or some illusion that we're telling that's going, we're creating something that's not even happening in the present moment. So we do excursions, uh, discussions, we have some movement of don't worry, it's very minimal meditation and food. And then there's lots of awesome downtime. And then the bonuses is we're usually in really, really amazing spaces around the world, just depending on where we choose to go, um, for that actual retreat.
1: Yeah, that sounds amazing. So it's not just that we're doing yoga 12 hours a day. So my, so an answer to my question, I could lay on the beach in corpse pose and somebody would help to turn me over. So I don't burn too much then.
3: Yeah. You are pampered from the minute you get there to the minute you leave. I I mean, you get, yeah, it's like (laughs) one of the best I get my reviews after those is just one of the best experiences and it's one of the best vacations. That you walk away and you actually feel incredible going home.
1: Yeah.
0: Are you sitting down now an when you eat and using a plate? Or are we still in
3: standing? <laughs> and... <laughs> I'm sitting a plate. I've evolved. That's the joke, is Jen never
1: sits when she eats. Huh? She's always standing <laughs> and kicking at her food like a rabbit. Uh, little
3: rabbit and still making
0: the most tremendous so, popcorn. So Jen
1: I've oh a question. Oh my god, yeah.
3: Yeah. That's great. So
2: person who's never done yoga. Shows up at your door,
1: <laughs>
2: knocks on are the door. Are you talking
1: about yourself, Casey?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's another bald guy that's really good looking. <laughs> okay, and, uh, okay,
1: another bald that guy that's me. really good looking on this podcast. It's uh, never my, done
2: that, that might do a podcast too. He might. He might. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. okay. Good. These are
3: all good. This is that good they show
2: up at your door, your yoga studio door, and say, "Hey, I'm a I'm a brick." can you do with this brick what how does that work <laughs> what does day one look like what does day 30 look like what what t- how, how does that work how does somebody who huh? with the the energy emotion of fear and worry and concern but says hey i've looked into this and i think this i need to add this to my life uh, how, how, how does that work yoga question. in the
3: art of of movement or yoga and the art of becoming one with self so like if you came to me you were coming me because of what pe- we people view yoga as like uh the yoga postures right i'm gonna guess that, that is that what you mean by yeah, somebody doesn't, you know to do yeah. Vinyasa, yeah somebody doesn't learn
2: how to do vinyasa you know they they saw uh brother bear on disney and it said that the elk did downward dog and <laughs> that's all they know. <laughs> so. you know
3: you know how often i get that uh, they like i saw brother bear doing yeah it the elk well, i'm telling you that's, awesome. that's
2: that's what i'm telling I get
3: the, you i get told that so often yeah well, um It would begin with first, if you're breathing, you're doing yoga. And first it's breaking down this barrier and idea that we've got to look like all those Instagram photos and um, understanding that if you can breathe in and out, there's your first and foremost, there's your first movement, right? You've already learned and mastered how to begin yoga. And so when you break it down to that element, because I do have clients that can barely move and, you know, that was their thing. They're like, well, yeah, I can't touch my toes. And that's, and it's the journey too. So it's the journey towards where you're going and learning that, you know, one, if I can tell you right now you're breathing in and out mission accomplished, Bravo, you've, you've done step one, right? You are, you are doing yoga all in itself now let's enjoy the experience and the journey of yoga. And we begin with simple movement, right? Simple being what your body's ready to do. And I think the more you get to know you, the more you'd understand and hold space, that you're gonna allow your body to move in ways that it's ready to move. And I may guide you into something and your body's gonna be like, uh-uh. And so the minute you become more aware of who you are, you're gonna be like, I'm gonna modify this to where I need to be so I can move through what's right in front of me. Right. And so if we can dismiss this idea that yoga has to be this idea of perfectionism, yeah, because what we see on Instagram, you know, everyone putting their feet on their head or it's this beautiful pose.
0: Right. When
2: you
3: dismiss that and understand that yoga is just this depth of understanding self, then people, the bald guy doing a podcast would be like, you know what, I got this. I do want to understand it because, you know, I don't need to look like everything I've been doing on social right. media.
1: He did That's buy the tights cool. already. So but, but does he I need understand- to wear the tights?
0: I yeah. have to interject. I have to interject. <laughs> you have to work have tight to when you do
2: salutation to the sun.
0: I have to interject <laughs> this. And 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 this is just a couple of moments that I've had with Jen. And even though you won't look like the Instagram models, the one thing I do know is as you practice, you layer and it gets more complex. And then one day you look up and you're doing a fucking headstand and you're wondering how did I get here?
3: Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. It's the journey. It's it, it's the, it is the
0: journey and that. you look up and you're doing something that you didn't think you could do.
3: stretching yeah. beyond these ordinary limitations that humanity places. We set on ourselves, right? Their so how do
2: you sell that? How
3: do you sell that
2: to a 12-year-old boy?
3: Ah, to a 12-year-old boy? Sell yeah, what? Yeah. That's well, a good you
2: would, question. Well, this is a
3: totally <laughs> reverse because you know how they do it. If they view it more on the what their visual right right so then they're gonna go and you can be like oh yeah you want to do that well let's let's get you to this point but really on the back end of what's happening is you're now going into the internal wiring system and here and here and you're read, you're rewiring that whole bad boy and they're all they're thinking about is i'm going to end up getting this before they know that they're speaking a different language they're showing up in a different way. And they're like, wow, I never thought I would do life yeah. in this way. I have a 14-year-old right now in my yoga teacher training, a 14-year-old. Wow. Year old.
0: wow. And you
2: really know, the funny. reason I say that is because anything that's, I look at my life and I think anything that was very positive and healthy and good for me and my development, if, if I push that down in a positive way to my children to start 10, 15 years before I started it, how much better off are they? How much better chance do they have at being more in tune and being a better person and having more empathy mm. and all those things you talked about? That's why I asked that. I wasn't just being funny. I was, yeah. I mean, like, that's good. Oh, so so, yeah.
3: I mean, then if it's for like you, so this is how I would pose it for you to get them to become that adult, right? That's more awake and aware. Yeah. It's how you're showing up right and how mm-hmm. you're speaking to the child because if anybody knows my 16 year old daughter we can attest to this that if you are showing up in that way they begin to ask more questions they begin to see the world and through different lens right yeah and so if you can understand you if you can understand what's happening here and you can emanate that outward because once you get this in the state of uh, in yoga, they call it upeka but in, in, in the quantum state, then it outwardly vibrates and your children will start to pick up on it. Yeah. And then they will be like, wait a minute. And then when they come to you with a question, your response comes from a totally different place than a typical right. parent. It would be like, yeah. how do you perceive that? Because one, I know what empathy is, right? So then I'm going to hold space of empathy for them. And then I'm going to want to understand them. It's not about yeah. me. Yep. It's not about me. I don't control them. They're not my property. I'm here to guide them through yeah. their journey. So you're going to show up in a state of empathy and your questions are going to be posed around that art of empathy because I have zero agenda other than to support and kind of support them in finding the answers because they already know it even at the age of 12, 16, they know what the answer is that one by observing you and two innately we already know what the answer is always.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, beautiful perspective. Well, and on that note, folks, I think it is time for us to wrap up another Evolve podcast. I want to thank our guest, uh, Jennifer Salerno, for joining us today. Uh, Also, my co-host, the pianist to the Amish and Mr. (laughs) Roulette Table. Uh, I think we've had a great conversation today and we hope that you our evolutionary listeners uh, took something with you that will help you on your personal evolution. Uh, Jen, we've dropped a lot of great knowledge on our listeners today and I would love for them to be able to continue to connect with you. What is the best way for people to contact you or connect with you, um, learn more about you or get involved in all the great things that you're doing?
3: The easiest thing to remember is Jenny does yoga and you can find me on Instagram. And all my, there's a link right on my bio. So Jenny does yoga, J E N N Y. Jenny does yoga, super simple. And then you can find out information there on my link, or you can message me there and I will definitely respond. I'm here to help, I'm here to support, and I'm here to awaken humanity one person at a time. So that's my job.
1: Awesome. Well, Jen, it's been an honor to have you. We uh, love talking to you as always. Um, uh, Miles is giddy. Uh, over there, uh, knew, knowing that you were coming on and uh, great, great conversation. And we're excited to have you back on to another episode as we dive into some of those other uh, topics that we were discussing in a future episode. Uh, so with that, Casey, how do people stay connected with us at Evolve?
2: Please stay with us, join us on the journey. Everyone has an awesome story. So come share with us as we learn, grow and evolve together. Join us at evolve-cast.com, where you can get on our Facebook group and be a part of our tribe there. Also, we're at Instagram at evolve underscore cast.
1: Great. And Miles, I know you're drinking some beautiful tea out of your Evolve mug today. How do people get as amazing as you and drink those beautiful beverages out of that mug?
0: Well, if you're going to be as amazing as me, you've got to drink amazing stuff. And in order to drink amazing stuff, you have to have an amazing
2: mug. Especially with that amazing John Boyd shirt.
0: This mug, I tell everybody, this mug changes anything you put in. You put bad coffee in here, it becomes better coffee. You put dirty water in here, it becomes clean water. Wow. you put a cheap bottle of wine in here <laughs> it becomes a French bottle of wine oh. so this mug is a magical mug that's going to age over... my
3: whiskey it yeah, age? yeah oh, I was just
1: going to H- say
0: that's right <laughs> go on over to the website go to the shop pick up a mug and take a look at all the other gear but this mug this is a magical mug
1: All right, folks, thanks for listening to another episode of the Evolve podcast, a podcast that challenges personal evolution through our choices and overcoming the challenges that life throws at us. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. Thanks for listening. Join us next week as we talk to integrative health practitioner and coach Scott Kelly. That's next week on the Evolve podcast.